So I'm going to share with you this morning, just briefly, it's not going to be long. I just want to introduce uh, Philemon to you as a book. Now, knowing you know me, I'm not going to get through the whole letter this morning. Um, I'll, I might, I might just get through a couple of verses this morning, um, and then we'll continue, we'll continue next week. Um, but I do think from time to time, and I'm, I'm sure um, this is not an uncommon feeling. Um, you know, I'm quite sure I'd rather hard would think the same thing as well too. But when you come on a, you come on a Sunday morning, or you come on a Thursday night, or you come on a on a Wednesday night, sometimes I do wonder to myself, why on earth, why would you want to listen to me? <laughs> why, why do you want to listen? to me you know why do you want to come on a sunday morning and have me go through god's word and share something with you you know i'm hoping it's not because you know you're being dragged to come on a sunday morning i'm hoping it's not because you know it's a routine thing that you do and you think well if i don't do it on sunday morning they're going to notice i'm not there i hope that's not the reason and the people are going to ask why were you there sunday morning boy i hope that's not the reason um you know but why is it that you want to come and you want to come and even listen to me what is it that i even have you know sometimes i feel i have nothing for you uh, sometimes i walk away from a sunday morning thinking what was what on earth did i even give these people today you know um and so you know what, what is it that actually draws you to this and i trust and hope that the probably at the core of the very thing that draws you to come and listen to us on different times and different services is because you believe you believe that the word of truth is being spoken and that the lord god almighty wants to speak to your heart that the lord god almighty wants to speak to your heart not me not Harb, not george but the lord God Almighty wants to speak to your heart through through the word of truth. And um, that's why I encourage all of you, particularly if you've been in the church for a long time, to be praying for every service that goes on, praying for every time the word of God is being shared. Our young adults, you know, they do an incredible job to get together and to share God's word with each other. Or our youth and those who lead our youth or our Sunday school and those who lead our Sunday school or our childcare when it's back uh, and all the other things that go on on a Thursday and a Wednesday. I'm be praying for the word of God to go out because it's the word of truth. It's the word of truth that needs to speak uh, into people's lives. And I trust that's why you come this morning. There's an element of excitement. There's an element of anticipation. There's an element of readiness. What is it that God wants to speak to me this morning? What is it that he wants to speak to me this morning about? And uh, and we, we know that's important to share, but we also know it's important to communicate. And that's why we give opportunities for people to ask questions, for people to get involved in, in, in a kind of a conversation. You know, we've had opportunities after church on a Sunday for people to stay back and to talk and to ask some questions. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing today. If you want to stay back after church when people have logged off, um, again, I'll be around for another half an hour or so, that we can have those conversations and we can um, be able to ask those those questions because we absolutely we love the fact that so many people are connected with the church we love that we love that that you have decided that for some reason that God has allowed you to stay or to be connected with the church that is joy to our hearts that you're connected but I tell you something and I tell you the truth we're more concerned we are more concerned that you're connected with Christ. We're more concerned that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We know church is great. We know church community is fantastic. We know it's an absolute blessing to be able to relate to one another and spend time with one another and share with one another. That is an absolute blessing that God designed church to be like. But we are more concerned that you are connected with Christ. So I'm going to ask you a very simple question this morning. If you're ready to listen to the word of God this morning, I want to ask you a very simple question yet which has profound 
profound implication here. And the question is simply this. Are you sure that you are saved? Are you sure that you are saved? What do I mean by that? Are you sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that the blood of Jesus Christ has truly, truly washed your sins away? that you know the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. And because of that forgiveness, you now have favour with God the Father and you walk in fellowship with Christ so that your life has changed and will never be the same again because now the Spirit of God lives in you. And because the Spirit of God lives in you, there is change that you thought could never happen to you. The Spirit of God is transforming you into the likeness of Christ. That's the simple gospel because he's merciful, because he's gracious. His Spirit is transforming you. That means he's changing you to become more like his Son. This is salvation. So I ask that simple question to you again. I don't want you to think to yourself, maybe I am, perhaps I am. It's possible I am. But if, if, if the Lord Jesus was to ask you this morning, are you saved? Would you be able to confidently answer that question? And that is our greater concern. We love the fact that you're connected with the church. We love the fact that you love being with us. But we don't want 300 people connected with the church and then only be confident that 50 are saved or 20 are saved or 10 are saved. That means nothing at the end of the day. What we want is for all of you to be absolutely sure that you are children of God, sons and daughters of God, being um, uh, investing in and doing the things of the kingdom because God is working through you. And if this morning there is doubt in your heart, I pray that you come to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning and you say, Lord, Lord, I need to know. I need you to forgive me. I need you to wash my sins away because I desperately need you. And I desperately know that without you I'm lost. Without you, I'm going to hell. Without you, I have no salvation. Without you, I know no truth. And that this morning you you would do that. And if you need to talk about that, and if you've got someone in your life who's a Christian that perhaps invited you to church or perhaps you know quite closely, I encourage you to speak to that person. And if you need to speak to myself or Harb or George or someone else, then I encourage you to speak to us as well. Because it's absolutely critical that you, you are sure, you are sure that you are saved. When the Apostle Paul wrote to Philemon, he wrote to a man that he was confident was saved. And why would Philemon need to listen to Paul? Why would would we even need to listen to Paul? Like what is it about Paul's writings that make us interested to listening to him about? Because Paul had words of truth Paul spoke as God's spirit led him. And Paul spoke into Philemon's life here because he had a true word of truth for Philemon that was going to perhaps challenge and transform his thinking. Paul was particularly concerned about a relationship that Philemon had with, with Onesimus. And, and Paul wanted to resolve this. He wanted to make sure that in the Christian community, that in the Christian circle, there is nothing other than love, forgiveness and restoration and healing. And I tell you what, if anyone among us this morning is absolute serious about Christian fellowship, if you are absolute serious about fellowshipping with one another and that you want to make sure that in the Christian church, that in the Christian community, you are in fellowship with one another as God designs it to be, then it is absolutely critical that you read this letter. 
that Christians weren't designed to live on the fringes. Christians weren't designed to, to, to live life independent of each other. Christians weren't designed in order to live life so that they can do Christianity on their own. And if there's an issue with someone, oh, look, it doesn't really matter. As long as I don't talk to them, as long as he doesn't talk to me, as long as she doesn't talk to me, you know, we, we'll go to the same church. No, Christians weren't designed to do that. And, and, there, and there's a, there, there is a, a, a false way of thinking when someone says, you know, look, we don't get along together, so I'll just go to another church. That's wrong because Christians aren't designed to do that. You don't say I don't get along with someone, therefore I'll go to another church. No, that's actually completely against the scriptures because you only take your problem somewhere else. And God in his wisdom, God in his wisdom could orchestrate a thing where in that new church, another person you have the issue with, with the same issue, so God can reveal in your heart what you need to do to resolve fellowship with one another. Because God is concerned about you. God is concerned about your soul. God is concerned about transforming it. So Philemon's listening to Paul's letter here and he needs to receive it and perhaps it was going to challenge him. This is an incredible story of what someone who should have been punished, someone who should have been, could have been punished, is now able to be restored and even forgiven. This is a beautiful story that even someone in his affliction, the Apostle Paul, is in prison and while he's in his affliction, He's writing and serving the Lord. He's writing a letter to Philemon. And even in his affliction, he's serving the Lord. And isn't that a wonderful thing for Christians? That even when there is, when someone does something to you and, and by rights, if you want to call that by rights, they ought to be punished, you choose to forgive. You choose to restore. You choose to find peace. You choose to walk in the footsteps of Christ. What a remarkable testimony and witness of someone who is saved. That all of a sudden the Spirit of God works through you rather than your flesh working, uh, uh, working in you to do the, the things that are, that are ungodly. And then you have a man like Paul who was inflicted in prison and he could have been sitting in prison thinking, woe is me, woe is me, why am I in prison, Lord God? You know, he's not even in prison for something he did bad. Have you ever got into trouble for something and you realise, you think to yourself, I didn't even do this thing. Maybe children, maybe your mum and dad have said to you something and you think to yourself, but I didn't even do it, it was my brother, it was my sister. And you get that feeling of getting into trouble about something that you haven't even done. Well, Paul didn't really do anything. He did nothing bad. The only thing he did was good. He believed in Jesus. He loved people and he served the Saviour. And because people of that day hated that, they thought the safest place for a Christian was to restrict him and to imprison him. But even in his affliction, he didn't follow and wallow into self-pity. He rose up and he said, Lord, how am I going to still be used by you? And even in his affliction, he was serving the Lord. He was able to look outwardly, heavenly, and think to himself, Lord, how are you going to still use this opportunity that I have? We are restricted today in lockdown, but God doesn't stop working. How, Lord, are you going to use this time to the glory of God? Uh, our families, maybe there are circumstances in our families and our friendships that feel restrictive, that feel difficult, that we are afflicted. But even this time, Lord, how is it that you want to use this time? How is it that you, you want to use it for the glory of God? Because I trust in the living God. So while there should have been punishment, there was this restoration. While there should have been um, and perhaps 
there were, you could say he, he could have sat in, in a sense of being feeling bad about his circumstance. Here he was serving. Mistreatment, there was forgiveness. This is a personal letter, brothers and sisters. This is a personal letter that those who are really serious about fellowship and how we should treat one another should be reading. If you're serious this morning, then I pray that you would focus, that you would focus as we go through this letter and have a look at it. Why is it, brothers and sisters, that sometimes the closest people in our lives we treat the worst? Why is that? Why is it that those who are closest to us, even those in our care even, or those who are responsible for, or those who are our, our closest friends, or those who are married to, and those who are our children, or even our colleagues. What is it? Why is it that those sometimes that we are closest to, we treat worse than other people? We are perhaps um, more uh, careless with our words. We are more casual in our response. We are not as careful with how we say things or, or what comes out of our mouth and how we communicate things to them. We're, maybe we take longer to forgive or maybe we take longer to say sorry. Why are these people who are closest to us, the people who are, we are more inclined to, to, to give our silent treatment to? Why is it that these people who are more closest to us that we are somehow more relaxed in our behaviour and that we're not actually necessarily as nice to as other people on occasions? Is it because they are closest to us and that kind of we, we become relaxed? Is it because maybe we think nobody will notice and nobody will see it and we have a right to act in this way because, um, because somehow um, they, they need to hear how we feel? I don't understand it. I don't quite understand it other than the fact that we become so relaxed that somehow we look at them differently than other people rather than through the eyes of Christ. That somehow we, we see them through a different lens, a different eyes than the eyes of Christ. It's like a little child who goes to school and treats his friend nicer at school than his brother at home. I don't know whether if you're at school and you do, you do you ever treat children, do you ever treat your friends at school nicer than your brother or your sister at home? Why do people do that? And yet in the body of Christ, what happens? God starts to turn that on its head and all of a sudden God says, listen, don't think about the person themselves, who they are, but think about it through the eyes of my eyes, through the way I see this person and how your life can have an effect on their life, on their life, how your life can actually impact their life. And I want to ask you this morning, how does your life, how does your life affect the lives of other people? How, how, how is your life? Are you someone who refreshes the life of someone else? Are you someone who invests and gives life to other people? That when you are with someone and you're speaking to someone, they walk away feeling, in a sense, uplifted by who you are, even if you speak words of truth. Because what the Apostle Paul here was encouraging Philemon to do something very significant. He wanted Philemon to look at the look at Onesimus through the eyes of Christ, and Paul, who is in a sense, was 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 replicating through his own life the mediation of Christ and how Christ reconciles two people. And it's a beautiful story that 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 sheds so much light into how people, regardless of who they are and what right you think you have on them, 
to love them through the love of Christ. You know, sometimes people ask the wrong question. When someone troubles them or someone uh, upsets them or someone wrongs them, they ask this question, which is often the wrong question. What do they need to do to fix the problem? And it's often the wrong question. What do they need to do? When Christ really challenges us and he confronts us and he asks us this question, what do you need to do to fix that problem? What do you need to do to find that you are the hands and feet of Christ in that situation, that you're able to love and you're able to go the extra mile? Do you remember the Bible says, and Jesus said it quite beautifully, when someone forces you to go one mile, what did he say? Go and measure that mile. Make sure you go not a centimetre beyond that mile. Make sure you go by the law and do exactly what they're asking you to do because then you can walk away saying, I've done my duty. No, that's what religion does. That's what a religious spirit does. A religious spirit says, you know what? I've got to help this person. Okay, I'll help as much as I have to help them. That's a religious spirit. But the spirit of Christ goes beyond that. The spirit of Christ says, hey, you want me to go to one mile? Because in those days, the people were being... Um, what we're told, people were being forced, perhaps by the authority of the time, to do certain duties, and then they were asked to go a mile. Jesus says, you know what, you're asked to go to a mile. I'll tell you something. Live in the spirit of Christ and go two. Go two miles. Go the extra mile. Go a mile to demonstrate how much you love them. Go. Refresh their souls. Go. Be a light to this world. Go. Be salt to this earth. Because this is what Christians do. So when the Lord Jesus Christ is pouring out his love, his grace, his mercy into your heart, then your life, your faith, your obedience can pour out into the lives of other people. Paul knew that Philemon had become a Christian. Philemon had become a Christian through Paul's ministry. Paul was travelling and he came across Philemon at some stage and through those conversations with Philemon, Paul led him to Christ. Now, we don't know a lot about Philemon, but it's quite possible that he was a wealthy slave owner. And one of his slaves, if maybe the only one, he could have had more, one of his slaves was a man called Onesimus. Yeah, funny names, Onesimus, Philemon, but they have interesting meaning to them. That interesting meaning to him. Philemon, love, friend love, Onesimus, useful, which Paul alludes to later in his letter. Funny names, but interesting meaning. And so what happens is that Onesimus, before he even knows Christ, Onesimus runs away from his slave owner. Wow, that's a brave thing to do in those days. Because if you run away from your slave owner, then some people even say that that was, that was certainly punishable, but some people even suggest it was punishable by death. And some people even suggest that if you supported someone that ran away from their slave owner, that you yourself could be punished. So it's a very tricky situation here. Onesimus runs away, even quite possibly having stolen, having stolen something from his master. He runs away And then as he runs away, God keeps working. And what he does is that God orchestrates a situation, engineers a situation that Onesimus meets, guess who? Paul. And through that conversation, Onesimus becomes a Christian. So Paul now is in this kind of interesting position. Some people might suggest even difficult position. Here he is supporting a runaway slave. 
But Paul knows and understands that the best thing to be done is to send him back to his master, who now also his master's a Christian. But Paul couldn't get on the email. Paul couldn't say, okay, dear Philemon, I'm just letting you know, mate, before I send Onesimus to you, I just want you to know what's happened to him. He couldn't do that. He couldn't get onto Zoom. He couldn't text him. He couldn't give him some knowledge beforehand. What he had to do was to write a letter, give it to, Phil, uh, to give it to Onesimus, and then Onesimus bravely, bravely, courageously had to walk back with this letter to Philemon, hand in the letter that was going to be read, presumably, to the church, which was in his house, and, and, and having received back into fellowship, no longer as a slave. Crazy. So much going on here. But the Spirit of God was working, and that letter reached our hands. What a privilege. What a privilege and honour. And what I want to do next week is I want to talk you through that letter. I want to talk you through what is it about that letter that speaks volumes to the church today that really wants to fellowship well, that really wants to fellowship in a Christ-centred way. And I pray that until then, you continue to contemplate what your faith and what your life and the effect that that has on other people. Because as Christ pours into your life and as you walk faithfully and obediently, you're able to pour into the lives of other people. Be good to those that are closest to you. More importantly, be faithful to those who are closest to you. Let me pray for us. Our loving Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you so much that this is an incredible story of love and restoration. You're a good God who turns everything on its head because you're a God of truth. You take the lies of this world, you expose them, and you give us opportunities to live your truth. Thank you so much, Lord. I pray for those, Lord God, in our lives that we may continue to be a light to them. We may love them faithfully, care for them faithfully, be authentic in our love for Christ, our love of Christ for them. And we thank you, Lord, that we never take them for granted. Father, bless your church. And Father, we, we love you and we thank you for all that you give us. In Jesus' name. Amen.